Praise God. Welcome back, children of the Most High, ever-loving, living God. This is Maria. Marie Speaks, God's Grace Bible Study. Today we're going to be going over Numbers chapter 18. We are returning from a small little break and we are so very excited to be here gathering together on, yes, my little earthly birthday. I am just so very grateful that I get to spend this evening sharing with our ministry, this family, the word of our Father who is in heaven. So let's pray. Father God, thank you for another wonderful day. Thank you for being with us and leading and guiding us. Thank you for this beautiful gift you've given to us of life, an earthly experience, Lord giving us a chance to meet others and spend time together, Lord, and and for lack of better words, show and prove to others how we can conquer this world, temptations, doubt, heartache, pain, sorrow, anything that this fallen world throws at us. We can conquer this world through our Christ, our Yeshua HaMashiach, our blessed Lord, praise God. Thank you that you have given us your beautiful written word and ensured that it is everlasting so each and every one of us can read and study and focus, meditate, lean on you, Lord. Go to you first above all and above everyone. Praise our Creator. For he is merciful, kind, wise, and good. Thank you, Abba, for being my father. Thank you for never forsaking me when all others have forsaken me. Thank you for never abandoning me when I have been abandoned. Thank you for never turning your back on me and being fickle with your emotions or with your thoughts or your words towards me, Lord. Thank you that you have been my provider, my source, my refuge, my strength, my courage. You are my hope. You are my faith. You are my savior. And I love you so very much, God. And I know that the price was paid at the cross with the blessed life of my Savior. And then he rose again from the grave and is sitting at your wonderful right hand interceding for me because <laughs> we know we need it, Lord, us all, each and every day. But Lord, I love you. I treasure you above all. And I don't know how. I don't know when. But my prayer is to make my life a life worth your sacrifice, a life worth your trials while you were here, a life worth your pain and suffering, a life worth your glory and your honor and you being on the cross for me, Lord. And I pray each and every one of your children spend their birthday, not in the world, doing birthday things, but instead volunteering or sharing the word or 
serving others as your word commands. I pray instead of giving in to what this world says, system says, you know, to go party, go drink, and do other lascivious things. I pray each of us use each and every day, not just our birthdays, not just seasons, but use our whole existence to show others and show you and that we are your children, we are your child, we are your creation, and we give our life back to you because it's you who gave it to us first. Hmm. Pray the song, the mighty name of our Jesus Christ of Nazareth, filled with the Holy Spirit, the Ruha Kadesh, and sealed with the blood of Christ. Yes and amen. Praise God. probably was a little bit loud forgive me for that welcome back children of the most high ever loving living god this is marie of marie speaks god's grace live amen for we serve a living god you will see our minds.com social media page sorry i'm getting myself together i love god so much oh I've been praying in and out all day, and yes, it actually is my earthly birthday, and I've been just praying and being with the Lord all day, and of course, you know, being an adult, you have certain tasks you have to take care of, but I am just so very thankful that to get to come online and share God's word with everyone. Amen? Amen. So I'm back. I'm together in Jesus' name. Amen. What you see on the screen before you is our Minds.com social media page. This is our main social media page that we use. You can keep up to date with us on our many social media posts, see what our thoughts are, what we're sharing, maybe even hear some of my wonderful Grammy award winning singing. That is obviously a joke. Um, and like I like to share things that I learn in studying the Bible study like I didn't know how cedar wood, the essential oil, had so many health benefits. I didn't know this. I love studying the Word of God because it gives me an opportunity to look up so many things and just learn and grow in God's Word and try to understand a little bit more God's purpose behind everything. I feel, granted we don't have to be explained God's word, right? We're supposed to just have faith and trust and go. But I like it when we do understand God's word because in my opinion, when I understand, I see the value and importance in it and it makes me want to try even harder for God. And I hope that makes sense to others because I think sometimes as Christians, um, unfortunately, we can neglect God because we don't see him, quote unquote, here in the flesh. We might see him in others and he might show us his revelation and, and through creation send us a word. You know what I'm saying. Um, but it's much different than if he was sitting on his wonderful throne 
before us or if we were able to see his glory at the tabernacle i think we would be like oh no we need to make sure you know we hear those bells ringing on our linen we we need to sure we observe the commandments of our father and so on i think sometimes that idiom um out of sight out of mind that can happen even in the case of god so my goal is to always keep God before me and seek God first. And I try to do a good job leading on that example um, by living that example. So when I get to understand God's word, I feel it helps me see how I can improve on my following our Father who is in heaven. That's a long roundabout way of saying that, right? But, you know, it does, it does take strength and diligence and um, discipline. A whole lot of discipline to follow our Father. Um, and that's why many don't do it. Because <laughs> they ain't disciplined in Jesus' name. Alright. So, we post our blogs on our website and on minds.com. Uh, to view them on our website, mariespeaksgodsgrace.live, because we serve a living God, you just simply click on our Season 4 blog page, and that will take you to a whole list of our blogs. During um, a little week and a half of our break and time off, I keep up to date on my studies, and I even probably study um, more than I normally do, because... I just want to focus on God. My free time is the Lord and singing and praising and raising our Father and sleep. I'm just going to be honest, a whole lot of sleep. Um, so I've actually really, really enjoyed this small little break. A little um, recoupment session. Amen. All right. So here at Marie Speaks God's Grace, we like to go over the historical portion of the Bible study, the biblical portion of the Bible study, and then the spiritual teaching reading out of the Blue Stone Torah. So I do the blog. The blogs are meant to go coupled with the live Bible study. And we'll read along. We'll read together. And then, of course, um please 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 i always encourage others to study and read on your own time because ultimately it is our individual responsibility to have a relationship with our father who is in heaven at the end of days when we are standing before the throne of our christ god isn't gonna say or rate anyone or reward anyone based off of my faith or my relationship with god no 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 we are all going to be individually judged. Now we're going to have witnesses and we're going to have accusers. But we ourselves will be standing before the before our Lord at the courts of heaven. Amen and amen. All right, so let's begin. Let's go over the historical part of the Bible study reading out of Haley Bible's handbook. Now, I love this handbook. There are many of them. In fact, there's several different printings. And I have the PDF version, which the link is in the blog. I have, and I have two hard copies. Now, even my two hard copies of Haley Bible's handbook, 
they're different from each other i'll tell you right now and they're both different um than the pdf which the, the link is on the blog now is every single page different nope but as i'll show later in the other blogs you might see they are um somewhat different and i truly believe the more reprintings that happen of any book um, the more the devil tries to take uh, importance and history out of it. Marie, do you mean that even with the Bible? Yes, I do. And I know some are going to be upset by that, but all versions of the Bible are not the same caliber. I'm sorry they're not, and they don't all can, uh, carry the same anointing. They do not. Um, there are some Bibles that they how do I say it? they have removed verses that are every word of, word of God is needed but there are some versions of the Bible that they've removed verses from the Old Testament that are vastly vastly needed for the book of Revelations which is in the New Testament for example um, the NIV which is it a fun version to read sure but it's missing thousands of words and thousands of verses and there's a lot of ins ons when there should be in the hands and all that trash right but specifically what i'm speaking about because we're heading into the end times right and so it says about ishmael that he will be a wild donkey of a man um and that he will be at his brother's throat and his brother will be at his throat. Now that is important. That is an important Bible verse. Because if you go into the book of Revelations, where's the Antichrist coming from? What lands are surrounding and who's surrounding Israel? Who's crossing those dry bones and, and sorry, dry seas, um, crossing the rivers to get to Jerusalem and Israel to attack them by all sides and so when we don't do our job and I'm, I'm not saying don't read the NIV I'm just saying we should take a good look at what we're reading look at your Bible not only look at the version but look at the publishing date and if you are reading the King James version of the Bible which I do like it isn't my favorite but I like it if it does not say the authorized 1611 version, I'm sorry, it has been greatly tampered with as well. So, <laughs> um, if you are going to get a King James Bible, I suggest getting a 1611 replica. That or a 1611 one, the actual one would be such a blessing, right? But get a replica. And don't get these newer ones because i'm telling you those have been fiddled with as well go line by line verse by verse and you might see the changes that the evil ones have tried to make to god's words particularly is it the lion that lies next to the lamb or the wolf ah exactly all right so anyways let's continue Haley Bible's Handbook. Father God, thank you for giving us history. Thank you for showing us through your word and through even 
sources that are secular or not of you, Lord, um, they even confess the truth of your word and the truth of these historical events, Lord. We just thank you for guiding and leading us, Lord, and we just give you all the praise, honor, and glory for you are the only one who is worthy. You are the only one who is truthful. You are the one, only one who is honest, pure, and good. And we thank you for just leading us in your blessed word, Lord, and just guiding us every step of the way during this Bible story, Lord. May your word reach who you intended to reach and how you intended to reach him, Lord. May your breath reach every one of your children father god may your breath and your mind speak and lead and guide your children during this bible study lord and we just lord we repel we cast away we send back anyone trying to come against this bible study in jesus name any spammers any um witches warlocks sorcerers lord we rebuke them right now in jesus name lord and we thank you for casting them far from us hallelujah we pray this all in the mighty name of our jesus christ of nazareth filled with the holy spirit the ruha kaddish and sealed with the blood of christ yes and amen all right so we have gone over Haley bible's handbook uh the historical version um before so i always like to refer others to the previous blogs in case well, just to avoid redundancy. But one thing I would like to point out here is um, we talked about as in the days of Noah, as in the days of Lot, right? With the whole um, destroying of what God intended his original creation to have, his DNA. And there was mixing um, with the fallen angels. And then they breeded these giants and the giants then would go um, and mate with uh those who were god's children and then there was like a variety of giants right little giants which sounds odd uh, medium-sized giants giants and all the way up to huge giants that were probably 70 80 90 feet tall who knows all right so please remember that especially when we're going to get into soon with the battles we're gonna head start heading into you know the nation of israel is going to start traveling and they're going to start fighting with all these individuals who allowed their dna to be corrupted by these giants and these fallen angels and just being perverse with their witches and their warlocks and their sorceries and we rebuke all that lsd trash in yeshua's great name amen and amen all right so let's continue to richard's complete Bible handbook and I will get my hard copy to read from where is it uh, oh here it is <laughs> it was behind my computer hold on excuse me all right so I have my hard copy which is a little bit easier for me to read but um, you all could read off of the one on the blog if you are reading along. So we are reading chapter 18. Here we go. All right. So this portion of the um, handbook doesn't go over chapter 18. It leads right into chapter 19. So... Um, I want to point out here that sometimes some handbooks 
don't go over what other handbooks do because when we go into Erdemann's um, Bible handbook they do give a pretty well described description of what's going on in Numbers chapter 18 and it reads neither priest nor Levite share in the neither priest nor Levite share in the inheritance of the land Instead, God gives the priests the remainder of all the sacrifice offerings, first fruits and firstlings. The Levites are given the nation's tithes, one tenth of all the flocks and herds and produce, of which they in turn give one tenth to the priests. The ritual with the red heifer is the remedy of the defilement by contact with a dead body described in the verses 11 through 22. To minimize the risk of accidental defilement, tombs were later painted white as written in Matthew chapter 23 verse 27. Amen. So I like Bible study handbooks. I always encourage others to get them because sometimes when we are studying we need um, sources to kind of paint a better picture of what is going on now in my opinion uh, handbooks and study handbooks are no different than a study Bible some people don't like to read them um, they say they're non-conical, but so are studies. Anything other than the Word of God is non-conical. So let's just pump the brakes on that real quick. Reading a dictionary in back of a Bible is non-conical. Reading all these notes and all these pictures and stuff. The canon is the inspired Word of God. So it is literally the text of the Word of God. Anything outside of that is considered non-conical. So... If Christians are being honest, we all read something that's non-conical. The newspaper is non-conical. The Facebook posts, the Twitter links, it's all non-conical. So I want to point that out also because a lot of individuals like to say, Oh Marie, I don't like to read that because it's non-conical. And I was like, so are all those Facebook posts you be sharing, but you don't seem to mind that. Do you see what I'm saying right here? And people get... People like to, I believe a lot of people have been brainwashed. I'm just going to put it out there by ignorant um, leaders who have unfortunately misled their flock that it is not okay to research the Bible. In fact, God says it is the matter of kings to search matter out. So... Instead of relying on our misunderstanding and our ignorance and relying on what someone else told us they heard from somewhere and saw this one time, why not go to God and ask for wisdom, first of all? And second of all, why not open a book or watch a documentary and, and learn? For instance, everything we read, that's why I provide links, because I want to help others teach I want to help others learn. I want to help others study because I believe a lot of churches, just going to say it, like to keep people down because down people 
get the scourge, <laughs> they get the press, <laughs> and they get thirsty and delusional where they're just looking for any source of help. And I believe, unfortunately, some churches teach their congregation to rely on man and manna vices relying on God. Some churches, they want you broke down, busted, and disgusted. But that's not what we want here. We want to prepare and equip the saints, strengthen you to go out, create your own Bible study if that's what God has called you to, create your own ministry that God has led you to, or at least feel confidence in sharing God's word wherever you go. Amen. Not just on Sunday of a church or Wednesday at a Bible study. No, our whole life should be a living testimony to the sacrifice, hallelujah, that our beautiful Savior made on the cross for us. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. Praise the living God. All right. So one thing I really gravitated towards was obviously the red heifer. And it reminded me of when the whole calf was sent out and it was sent into the wilderness and it was considered you know an offering for um the evil kingdom and the evil darkness and i don't mean to say offering but it was one was there was two right and one was offered to our father who was in heaven and the one was sent out in the wilderness and the torah teaches it was like it was sent out because that's where the wolves um, were and the evilness was and it was a symbolic gesture of how the evil ones go out and wander the desert that's what I meant by offering so sorry about that but this is what that reminded me of and granted there are two different things but that's where my mind kept going so it made me want to research more to get my mind up out of that so here we go. Numbers chapter 19 verses 1 through 22. The Lord spoke to Moses and to Aaron and they're going to talk about the red heifer. In Hebrews chapter 9 verse 13. For if the blood of the bulls and of the goats and the ashes of the heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctified to the purifying of flesh. In Daniel chapter 12 verse 10, many shall be purified and made white and tried, but the wicked shall do wickedly. And none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. And then Hebrews chapter 9 verse 14. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your consonants from dead works to serving the living God. Now I love these three bottom verses because it talks about um, the purifying of one's flesh, the purifying of us from sins, how washing us clean obviously by the blood of our Yeshua HaMashiach, how we are redeemed, restored, and made whole. That is whole mind, body, spirit, and soul in Jesus' name. So I am not in agreement that illness, sickness, and disease should be a part of a Christian's life. I believe, unfortunately, due to sin, 
sickness, illness, and disease is part of a sinner's life because when I read the book of Deuteronomy chapter 28 verses 16 through 68, I believe, it says, if you choose not to hearken on to the voice of the Lord our God, these curses will before you. And all those curses, some of them are about money, some of them are about, you know, sadness, but most of them are about sickness, illness, and disease. So this tells me that no petulance is supposed to come to our doorstep. Hallelujah, Psalms 91, right? So if we are staying in line with God, we are not perfect, but we are found righteous before the Lord, then we should be staying far away from any extreme sickness, illness, or disease. But Marie, this past season, I got the flu good 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 because sometimes god will send trials let's read the bible verses again some trials are sent to us to strengthen us yes some trials are sent upon us to equip us for a battle and prepare us for a battle that is coming later and so we can use what we learned through these trials to help others amen so when something comes against us, I guarantee you as a child of the living God, it is at a lesser degree, a lesser severity, a less, I think even a lesser strength in time than it would be against anyone who is not a child of God. They really suffer and it's really sad and that's why we're called to pray for them, right? Um, but um, when we stand with Christ, we will feel trapped. Um, go through trials we will go through some tribulation especially in this fallen world but 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 God is with us along the way and just like even if we do some stuff to get ourselves into trouble like with King David right God will hold back the angel from completely destroying us because it is better to be in the mercy of loving hands of our father than in the hands of man so god knows how much we can bear and how long we can bear whatever and after that didn't king david go to have many successes didn't he go to do many great things for the glory of our living god yes so trials aren't always a negative it can obviously lead to a positive Marie, how do I know which one it is? Ask God, for he is the spirit of truth, and God don't lie. Amen? Amen, in Jesus' name. Gotta ask God first. If you ask anyone else, if you ask anyone else, even you ask me, I'm going based off my own experience, right? I'm going off of my bias. I'm going off of everything else. But if you ask God first, whoo! Glory, 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 hallelujah. The spirit of truth will unveil to you just like a wonderful, beautiful waterfall from heaven. And you won't have to worry about anyone deceiving you or leading you astray in Jesus' name. For God does not tempt us. All right. So what were the tombs like? Because we were reading before in the Bible um, handbook that the tombs 
and defilement and later they were painted white and even Jesus said you know that some of the Pharisees were like whitewashed tombs they were dead disgusting moldy and stinky on the inside but outside they were very shiny and pretty right all right so let's read this what were tombs like during Bible times I found the below article interesting. I want to briefly review the article for those who of us who are courageous, curious, <laughs> and courageous um, to know what the tombs might have been like or look like during biblical times. I'm not paid to endorse nor affiliated with the writer or the company of this article. I simply love sharing the information and learning. So uh, the picture that's on here, the article states that this is not the correct tomb of Jesus. So where is the correct tomb of Jesus? I don't know. But I will say this. I have noticed, because I read a lot of different articles and watch a lot of different documentaries. And I've heard, you know, a couple of different theories. I have noticed in certain parts of the world. Uh... Why do, well, I'm going to say it this way. It, let's say this is the tomb of Jesus. Why would they build a huge church over it? Why do they want to build a huge church over where Elijah was said to have been taken up? Why would they want to build a huge church over where uh, Mother Mary was buried or whoever? You know, I think they are really hiding stuff. I think um, they are covering up a lot of stuff. That is just me. Could these be the actual burial sites of the prophets and the saints of old and where our Jesus laid before he was risen from the grave? Possibly, I don't know. But I do believe if some of these locations are actual tombs and burial sites that you will feel the presence of the Lord while you are there. That is just me. I haven't been there, so I don't know. But I believe that is a possibility. So when they say a lot of these areas have been covered up, it reminds me of theories that I've heard about pyramids being covered up and cities being burned to the ground or the great uh, library of Alexandria, stuff being built on top of it. And it was burnt down and covered up because they wanted to get rid of all the wisdom and technology and advanced technology that was going on you know the evil people did the little snakes and vipers and and all those reptilians and fallen angels you never know you know so i believe it's a lot underground i believe just like the universe has been expanding for it's written in the word of god the earth has been expanding i don't believe there will ever be too little earth or too little water or anything like that because our God never runs out. That is just me. And if our God created it, God has a duty to preserve it for it is written in his word. So those are just my thoughts. Keep that in mind. So that's obviously where I am going with this. If you choose to disagree, well, someday in heaven when we are talking to the lord maybe he'll show us it'll be it'll be awesome maybe he'll play it like a movie he'll be like you've heard it said this but i tell you this and then we'll all be like tell us lord tell us <laughs> oh all right let me let me keep scrolling all right so this man went to pontius pilate and asked for the body of jesus then pilate was ordered to 
Pilate ordered that he give him the body, and then Joseph took the body and wrapped it in the clean linen and cloth and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had hewed in the rock, and rolled a large stone against the entrance of the tomb and went away. Matthew chapter 27 verses 57 through 60. So they say this is the location of Jesus' tomb. I don't know. They also say in biblical times, tombs were done on mountains and in caves. Some were buried, um, especially after war. There was a law by our Father who in heaven, it's written in the Torah, that bodies of the dead were to be honored and respected, not worshipped, but they were to be given a proper burial and to defile a body of the dead was considered a sin, even if that dead body was a body of your arch enemy. Yes. So another article I found pretty awesome was Hebrew and Jewish funerals at the time of Jesus. And it talks about how the Hebrews buried their dead immediately, no later than a day after a person had passed away. According to the Jewish Encyclopedia, this custom stems from the Masonic Law, which ordered that any person hung from a tree or a cross as a form of execution should be taken down and buried within a day after death. And while the law applies directly to the bodies of the executed criminals, the Hebrews generally applied it to everyone. Jesus Christ, after he died from execution on a tree or the cross, was buried within a day. I found this um, next couple parts of the article very interesting, so I'm going to read them along. And the link is in the blog post for those who would like to follow through the rest of the article on their own time. Burial preparation. The Hebrews didn't practice embalming in a way of all their cultures did, such as the Egyptians, you know, taking out the innards and all this stuff and ripping out the brains and a hot coal and the eyeballs and putting them in jars and ugh. anyhow, Hebrews didn't do all that. I know many like to think that I know in some locations where there were Hebrews and the Egyptian witchcraft and sorcery lifestyle crept in and mixed with uh, the Hebrew and Jewish culture. They did that stuff, but originally it was not so. The whole body was put back into the ground or a cave just like God intended it to be. There was no separating of these organs and putting all this other disgusting stuff in this uh, body decaying and all this stuff solutions like goes on today. No, 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 no. It was all natural. They did though traditionally put spices and aromeric ointments on the dead bodies in order to help remove unpleasant odors. In fact, after Jesus died, a man named Joseph of Armathia, according to the Bible, writer John's gospel account requested permission to prepare Jesus's body just the way the Jews have the custom of preparing for burial using mirth, aloes, spices, and linen bandages. Now, Lord, I'm not speaking death over me or anyone else in Jesus' name. I'm just providing an example. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you. Praise Yahweh now and forever. I believe how God said to do it in biblical times is how we should be doing it now. But Marie, it is illegal. Actually, it is. Uh, 
it is legal. I, I'm pretty sure they don't want people buried in caves, but I believe the body preparation should be the same. It should be placed in the ground, wrapped in linen with oil and spices. I'm not speaking this over anyone or myself. I rebuke the spirit of death or chaos or, or harm or injury or mistreatment or cruel intent. I rebuke those spirits right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Cast them far from us into the feet of our Yeshua HaMashiach for judgment. Praise Yahweh now and forever. But if it were me, now that I know about this and I've been reading about this for a couple years, I would want the mirth, the aloes, the spices, and a linen wrapping. I don't need a casket. I don't need all this disgusting chemical embalming crap. I'm good. <laughs> you know what I mean? All of that paying $20,000 for, for a box and a service that is just going to rot in the ground to me is utterly ridiculous. And I, I'm sure someone out there is not going to like that. And I'm sorry, it's, it's not a personal attack on anyone else's values or belief system. I just, whenever I read something about the Word of God, I take it to heart, obviously. And if I could do it according to what the world says, or I could do it according to what the Word of God says and the examples provided in the Bible, I'd rather do it according to the examples in the Bible and God. Amen. All right. If it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. Amen. Three places of burial. The Hebrews simply kept their burial places simple and less ostentatious than those from surrounding cultures. Let me say that one more time for the people in the back, 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 back. Hebrews seemingly kept their burial places similar, simple and less ostentatious than those from surrounding cultures who often decorated grave sites with paintings and other nations. A person was buried either in the ground or in a memorial tomb. Having a place of burial among the Hebrews was significant and generally represented that a person was not a criminal, an outcast, and had the hope of being resurrected by God. That's the key part, had the hope of being resurrected by God. I really think the reason um, the world has tricked individuals into uh, putting all these disgusting man-made chemicals into a body and removing this and removing those organs and all that stuff is because they're trying to put doubt of the resurrection in the mind of believers that is my thought and i also think the reason why they make it so ridiculously costly is they're trying to make a dead person an idol um which is necromancy christians aren't supposed to do that i also think it's because they want christians to go broke as a joke and then be in despair now on top of unfortunately losing a loved one now they're in a greater financial difficulty. It's no doubt in my mind that's why many individuals after a loved one has passed want to do something to try to join them as quickly as possible. Do you see what I mean? It's a disgusting, perverted system. I am against it. But obviously, God gave us free will. So just confirm with our Father who is in heaven when the time comes, which I pray it won't be for several thousand years for each of us, right? <laughs> um, till our Jesus comes back. 
when the time comes or if someone has to deal with this, I pray, you know, just consult the word of God, lean on God. If something, if anything in any area of our life doesn't feel right, take a moment, take a day, take three days, fast, repent and pray and ask for direction from our father. Amen. Amen. Some persons who weren't considered worthy of a burial place were pitched into a valley of Hinnom outside Jerusalem's walls to be burned along with the city's refuge. Well, I didn't remember that from the writing, but all right. (laughs) You know what? That does make sense, though. Because... I think they did that off after a lot of battles. I'll have to double check that. I'm pretty sure they did that after a lot of battles too. Anyhow, post-burial tradition. Hebrews gave Hebrews viewed grave sites as unclean. Because of this, the Jews would whitewash grave markers and tombs to alert passerbys of the fact. Anyone who touched the grave became ceremonially unclean, something avoided, especially in the season of a Hebrew celebration of an annual Passover, when they celebrated God's deliverance of the Hebrews from the Egyptian oppressors. Jesus referred to this tradition when comparing the hypocritical religious leaders of the day to whitewashed graves clean on the outside but dirty on the inside isn't that funny our jesus is wonderful no one can tell me our jesus doesn't have a sense of humor i love our lord Mm. excuse me taking a sip of juice praise y'all all right so what does a traditional hebrew or Jewish funeral consists of. The funeral service is a brief and simple service designed primarily as a yikra de ba for the honor and dignity of the deceased, the worthy values he lived by, the good deeds he performed, and the noble aspects of his character are eulogized. The function of the eulogy is not to comfort and braved, although a highlighting and good and beautiful in the life of the departed, it affords an implicit collation, 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 consolation for the mourners. Excuse my accent. There is also a great psychological benefit for the funeral service itself through this. Although this too is not the primary purpose, it enables many friends and family and relatives to participate in the situation of the bereavement, others relive the terrible loneliness of the mourners. In addition, since it is not only praises the deceased, but also comforts all whom attended with a terrible fact of their own mortality, it impels them to consider their days and to take stock in their life, their lives, and to live their lives creatively. The service consists of a recitation and selected psalms appropriate to the life of the deceased 
That was my favorite part, to read psalms according to the life of the deceased, reviewing and singing their good attributes. And the next part I thought was awesome was the memorial prayer asking God to shelter his soul on the wings of his divine presence. Praise Yahweh. And like I said, all the links to this are in the blog post. I do my best to provide links um, always because you're supposed to list your sources and resources, right? But also to show others, you know, from what I understand, it's okay to do research on the Bible, if not expected. And if you don't know something, search a matter out. It's better than assuming that you know everything and why some Bible study teachers and some pastors and whoever else try to discourage the body of Christ from looking up information like we just did. Um, I just think they that is poor leadership and that's poor guidance and they're not doing a good job to their congregation and that's probably why their congregation is so freaking stinking ignorant. That's probably why their congregation is being led astray so often and that's probably why their congregation when they are presented with the truth stick their head in the sand like an ostrich or turn around and run like a chicken with its head cut off in fear and they don't go to God first and ask because instead they have these arrogant, self-righteous, ignorant leaders. And it's sad. I really, I really wish, um, I pray in Jesus' name, that more shepherds take a good close look of who they're allowing um, to be in charge of their ministries. There's a reason why God set a standard on who should be in charge of the thousands, in charge of the hundreds, in charge of the tens, and down, you know, all the way down. God, God set a specific standard of who should be helping out in the ministry. And just picking anyone because they're your friend or because you like them, just because they're your friend and you like them, they might be a nice person, doesn't mean they're called to be leading especially if they're leading from a wounded broken spirit amen amen in jesus name all right so let's get into the biblical text of the bible study now i'm going to be reading out of Gen the geneva 1560 edition of the Bible. This is my favorite version of the Bible. There are many versions of the Bible, but this one is mine. Um, I love this version of the Bible. The only other version I love more than this one is the Wyclef version of the Bible. This Bible, I feel God led me to, and I can feel the anointment on it. I have joy reading this Bible. So, but you're more than welcome to pick whatever version of the Bible you would like. Just understand some of the Bible verses might be different and some of the translations might be different. Amen. All right. So here we go. Father God, Father God, Father God, my King Jesus. Thank you for giving us your word. Thank you for making it plain, making it clear. Thank you for showing us, Lord, and speaking to us. We give you all the beautiful honor, praise, and glory, Lord. May today this bible study be a welcome offering to you lord may it be something you look at and you are well pleased with 
pray this all in the mighty name of our Jesus Christ of Nazareth, filled with the Holy Spirit, the Ruach Kaddish, and sealed with the blood of Christ. Yes, and amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> all right. So, Numbers chapter 18. And the Lord said unto Aaron, Thou and thy sons and thy father's house with thee shall bear the iniquity of the sanctuary. Both thou and thy sons with thee shall bear the iniquities of your priest's office. And bring also with thee thy brethren the tribe of the Levites of ye family and thy father, what shall join with thee and minister unto thee. But thou and thy sons with thee shall minister before the tabernacle of testimony. Now, there are three sets of priests that are being spoken right here. Okay? Now, unfortunately, individuals like to lump them all together because technically it all started under the house of Levi. Well, that is true. They are all Levites. But, 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 but. The Kohanim are the only ones that can be in line to be the high priest of the tabernacle. So Aaron is the Kohanim Grandar. He is the high priest of the tabernacle at this time. He is the first high priest of the tabernacle on earth. The first first of first high priest of the tabernacle is obviously our Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus our Christ, our Lord and Savior, right? All right. But on earth... The first one is Aaron. And from his line and his bloodline alone come the other Kohanites. Don't get that confused with the Korothnites, okay? That is from Koranth, which was the one we talked about in the Bible uh, Bible study before. You know, the whole rebellion and so on. And he was mad and he was bitter because he wasn't picked first. That happens a lot, <laughs> unfortunately. But God chose Aaron. Aaron is a good man. God chooses right. God doesn't make mistakes. So from Aaron, line alone, comes the Kohanites, okay? So Aaron, the Kohanim Grandar. Then we have the Kohanim, which is plural for the Kohanim. Those are the ones that are in line to be high priests of the tabernacle. And these are the only two Kohanim Grandar and the Kohanim who performed the actual services in receiving and lifting up and waving of the offering and sacrifices and elevation ceremonies and the festivals and feasts to the Lord. They are the only ones who can. But Marie talks about the Levites. Great, I'm glad you asked. The Levites assist the Kohanim who assist the Kohanim Grandar. There is an order to God. If you do not know your place in the order of God, you are in disorder, all right? You are most likely in chaos. You are wandering around trying to figure someone out when you should first be figuring out your place in the body of Christ out first. Why? Because God's relationship with us is individual, first then it becomes family oriented relationship then after it's a family relationship amen then it's a tribal relationship and then it is the congregation relationship and then after the congregation then it is the earthly with all the other people on earth 
brother and sisters who believe in Christ's relationship. And then after that, it is the non-believers relationship. There is an order to God. If you don't know where you are in the body of Christ and what you're supposed to do with whatever anointing and appointing that the Lord our Father has given over you, you're not carrying out your mission that God has been giving you specifically for this life and earthly experience. So what do we do? Ask God. There you go. Ask God. So there's three groups of priests that are being spoken about in these two Bible verses and they're listing the Kohanim Grandar, the Kohanim and the Levites. That is their spiritual pecking order. The Kohanim Grandar is the highest spiritual level under the prophet at this time. The prophet at this time is Moses. So the order of spiritual leadership right here is Moses, Aaron, Aaron's two sons, um, all the descendants from Aaron's lines that are following the testing and proving themselves and all the age requirements, they're under that. And then it's the Levites. And then the Levites have their little clans of the Levites who assist the Levites, who are assisting the Kohanim, who are assisting the Kohanim Grandar, who is assisting the prophet. Does that make sense? I know it sounds a little confusing, but if you were ever in law enforcement or the military, um, you understand this because our God runs his uh, legion, his army, in a similar fashion. Praise Yahweh. Or, or we run our, our legion here on earth, our armies, and our law enforcement off of God's example. I should say it that way. Thank you, Father. So, to say it more clearly, those are three in there. So, I want that to get that clear. So the next question will be, what is iniquity? What's the difference between sin and iniquity? And why is a sanctuary, iniquity of the sanctuary, shall bear the iniquity of the sanctuary being said? Because how can something that's been sanctified have iniquity in it or upon it, right? All right, so we're gonna go into some definitions. Iniquity. 16 Hebrew and Greek words are translated iniquity in the King James Bible. The more important are the following. Ahwen, iniquity. Vanity, ahwel, perversity, perverseness. Ahwan, that which is crooked, perversity, most common, depravity, sin. Greek, adikai, unrighteousness, ammonia, lawlessness. All those iniquity, sinfulness, perversity, crookedness, um, depravity, unrighteousness, that is all of the devil. It's all stuff that is wound up. It's intended to corrupt, distort, and pervert, right? Nothing of God. So the Hebrew on one refers primarily to the character of an action as seen in Isaiah chapter 64 verse 6 where iniquities are paralleled to self-righteousness deeds that are like filthy rags. From this is expands to express the idea of guilt. In 2 Samuel and so on you can read that. Followed by the punishment for the guilt 
in the sense of Genesis chapter 4 verse 13. My punishment is greater than I can bear. In the New Testament, Adikiah stresses the idea of a negative righteousness, but in the sense of an actual unrighteousness as seen in the reference to the 30 pieces of silver paid to Judas as a reward of iniquity. Now, this might be difficult for some new Christians, and I say that lovingly, those who are just coming into the body of Christ or just beginning to truly study and truly love the Lord, truly give their life over to Christ, they might not understand how a bless a blessing, quote unquote, can actually be a reward for iniquity. For example, I hear this a lot. Well, someone someone met their spouse on a one night stand right and now they've been married for 40 years <laughs> which the end the end sounds nice they've been 40 for married for 40 years they have a bunch of beautiful children i'm sure and a beautiful big family and they have you know they're not perfect but they love the lord it started out in sin, iniquity, living sinfully because they most likely weren't doing things according um, to God when that whole one night stand happened, right? And then it turned into a reward with the blessing of a family. Well, that can kind of be under the permissive will of God. It wasn't what God intended um, to happen with the meeting. It wasn't how God intended them to get married and start their family but it was under the permissive will of God. Now, iniquity is tied to that relationship. Marie, how can iniquity be tied to that relationship? Because it started off in sin. See, I guarantee you from that marriage, though it is a beautiful covenant with God, there are issues that would not exist had the relationship started off a godly relationship. Not with a one-line stand, by the way with a traditional courting and let's get to know each other, wait till our marriage night, then lie together and then rely on God to, for the timing of our children and so on. You see what I mean? How we start our lives, our relationship, our businesses, our houses, whatever the case may be. If we started off with a sinful act, and it happens to work well and turn out great and be prosperous, it's under the permissive will of God. But there's still sins and iniquity attached to it because it didn't start off righteously and blameless before the Lord. Therefore, since it didn't start off righteously and blameless before the Lord, it has given the spiritual legal right for the evil ones to throw attacks at that marriage, to throw attacks tax at that building to throw a tax at that vehicle to throw a tax at whatever and i'm not speaking over anyone i'm trying speaking evil over anyone lord shield and cover us in the loving saving blood of our yeshua mashiach praise god but i'm trying to point out to others because some think because something started off incorrectly but turned out good it must have been god's will no 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 god does not lead us into temptation amen we have to remember that uh, 
we can't pick and choose what Bible verse to apply to our life in any situation. We have to rely on the Word of God and understand His Word is true. Amen? And amen. All right. So let's continue reading. Uh, the reward, right? So Judas, he did something sinful, something that was of a reward for his iniquity. He got 30 pieces of silver. Now in Judas's case, it didn't end up so well, right? He ended up hung on a tree. But there's some individuals, I'm sure, who got paid for turning in our Jesus. And they probably lived in nice wealthy houses and had their garments and so on like all the other pharisees and and the pharaoh this and and the roman this and you know what i mean they probably lived their life never changed and so some of them probably thought they did what was right but yet their conscience ooh, the spirit of conviction probably kept eating and eating at them until they repented, right? All right. The condemnation of Simon and the sorcerers offered to buy the power of the Holy Spirit. Ooh, that's a good one. In the Greek, anomia stresses, in contrast, the rejection of breaking God's, God's holy law. Jesus condemned those lawlessness. He never condemned the law. Let's remember that. He condemned those hypocrites and the lawlessness, as well as Paul. And the writer of the Hebrews, in they learn that the mysteries of iniquity, ammonia, is a real origin of lawlessness. Be, being the revolt of the devil and his angels, he was the beginning of sin. Followed by the revolt of men against God, is already present and will continue the upright until the Antichrist is revealed and destroyed by the coming of Christ our Lord as a rider on the white horse in the book of revelations hallelujah come lord jesus come now <laughs> i know these uh photographs are all um very uh how do you say it fuzzy so i apologize for that but these photos are um from my bible dictionary um no 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 here they are, sorry. My Wyclef Bible Encyclopedia. Here we go. So I'm not gonna read the whole things because they're very lengthy, obviously, but I did wanna read a portion of the definition of sin and sanct sanctity for everyone to understand because <clears throat> unfortunately, excuse me unfortunately many of us think that we know the definition of words but we don't right all right so right here i highlighted a couple sin 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 the origin of sin instead of the bible it indicates that sin originated with satan and his rebellion against god the all the old testament Old Testament suggests that Satan's responsibility is that iniquity was found in the king of Tyre, an evident figure of the devil. In his pride, he sought to make himself the most high. In human experience, excuse me, sorry, I'm drinking my tea. 
In human experience, sin originated in the temptation of Adam and Eve in Eden, when they rebelled against God by heeding the voice of Satan. The effect of Adam's sin on the moral life of his descendants is the problem that evolved into original sin and is the subject of differing viewpoints. Now, knowing you're sinning is when a sin has been held against someone and they are held accountable to it. Sin took many forms and the Israelites, it was made keenly aware of a particular form of his sin took by the availability of various words. Missing the mark or hitting the wrong mark or unknowingly not hitting the mark or by omission or disobedience to God. Those are all words that were attributed to a Hebrew and their sin. The penalty and the remedy for sin. Well, the penalty for sin is death, both physical and spiritual. It pers to persist in sin, a Christian's life brings chastisement and sometimes physical death, as written in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 30, but never a total separation from God and spiritual death. Let's fast forward to the remedy. Well, the remedy for sin is repenting, fasting, praying, turning away from sin, and obviously accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. When we fully accept Christ into our life, we repel sin, we run away from sin, sin grosses us out, right? Um, so others that say they're Christians, but they're still gossiping, they're still slandering, um, they're still being biased, they're still being racist. Oh, I can't imagine. There are so many people who are just straight up racist, but they swear they are Christians. I'm like, really? <laughs> what part of God makes you think it's okay to be a racist, you know? Anyhow. Uh, let's go to sanctification and sanctify. All right. So sanctification. The prize from the Latin Latin word sanct, sanct, sanctus. It means separated, purification, to hallowed, to separate from profane things or to consecrate. The main ideas of sanctification are to separation, are a separation from what is sinful. On the one hand, the consecration to what is righteous according to God's will. On the other, varying views. There's the whole baptism sanctification process where, you know, I'm not going to get into that hugely. Different religions believe different things. Some don't believe it at all. But you know what? Go to God and confirm. What I can read from God's word is we're all supposed to be washed clean in the water. We're all supposed to accept our Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And then be washed clean in the waters. Then be baptized by the Holy Ghost. That is what I have read. That is what I believed. If you don't believe that, well then 
I don't know, go confirm with God. Amen in Jesus' name. All right. So after perfection by baptism, sanctification, then there's a perfectionism where we hold our self accountable to God's word and do our best to perfectify ourselves um, to be more Christ-like. Then there is the progressive and sanctification because just because you believe, just because you got baptized, just because you love the Lord doesn't mean you are now sanctified if you are doing the same things you used to do, right? We need to be a new creation uh, with new wineskins. That means we have left the old ways behind. So as we remove remove ourselves from sinful living, we become more and more sanctified in Christ. Hallelujah. All right. So means of sanctification. The external means of the word of God, Christ prayed, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. So I believe by reading John chapter 17, verse 17, 17, 17, 17. When we do this and we study and meditate on God's word, um, there's a spiritual cleansing that takes place. And in that spiritual cleansing that takes place, we begin to hate the thing that God hates, which is sin, wickedness, anything of the devil or antichrist spirit. And we begin to love the things that God loves. And in doing so, separating ourselves from the world, we come to sanctity, not that we become saints, uh, in that sense where we should be worshipped and idolized. No, 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 no. We come to our sainthood, our priesthood, our ministry in Christ. Amen. All right. So next definition is sanctuary. So the sins will be upon the sanctuary. In the Bible, a place set apart usually as a place that the Lord's presence is among his people. Now, if your church is celebrating these pagan, demonic holidays, I guarantee you there ain't no sanctuary there because God is not lukewarm. He is not hot and cold. He is not gray zone area. God would not be doing anything that gives glory to anyone other than himself, for he is the only one who is worthy of all glory. God is not going to praise and raise the devil and the workers of iniquity. Y'all, get over yourselves for real. Stop, stop in Jesus' name and think about it for a second. But Marie, it's a harvest fest or it's trunk or treat. It is of the devil, okay? You want to know when harvest is? It ain't October. It's way before that. If you want to celebrate the fall festivals, you should do it in fall, which is the month of Elul, in August, mid-August to mid-September, and then goes into Rosh Hashanah and the Day of Atonement and the Feast of Tabernacles and so on. That's what we should be celebrating because that's when God's word. So celebrating these pagan demonic holidays, I'm sorry, you don't have a sanctuary. No, you don't. Stop kidding yourself. It's time to get over your double-mindedness, because that's what it is, and using your culture 
um, to excuse having sin up in what's supposed to be the house of God. Don't call it the house of God. Call it the house of sin and it's sinfulness because that's what it's doing. Let's be honest. Amen and amen. All right. Oh, his people examples are the tabernacle of Moses and the temple of Solomon with its precedence. Uh, sanctuary, 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 separated, narrow, separation from sin, holiness, it is sanctified. These terms also are used, um, and I really like this here, let me scroll down. So I took from my encyclopedia uh, for the Wyclef encyclopedia, close-up shots of other sanctuaries, right? Because the pagans say they have their sanctuaries too. Marie, why did you do this? Because I wanna prove a point. There's so many churches today and I love going to church. I use it as a socialization um, event. That is just me because I pray and raise with God in my house and wherever I go. So to me, going to church is just to socialize, hear about God, share God with others, um, have some coffee and some donuts and leave because to me church begins in the heart and in the house amen in Jesus name but my point is this these pagans these heathens who are doing child sacrifice perverse grotesque orgies and uh, all these disgusting other acts and all these demonic offerings they had beautiful temples too look here are some of the ruins of them they had beautiful temples and they had beautiful robes for their demonic priests of Baal. And they had their false prophets and their kundalini, the false Holy Spirit. They had all that hoodoo, voodoo, hexes and curses just jumping up and down up in here. Laying all over the ground. They were doing the most. Some of them I'm sure weren't clapping. Some of them were being silent. Whatever the case may be. And I'm sure they thought they were right with whatever reptile they were worshiping or cow they were praying and bowing down to. You see what I mean? It, it's not the building that makes it a place of God. No, 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 no. It's not those stones. It's not that gravel. It's not what's being thrown on the altar that makes it a place of God. It's God's presence in that place. It's truly following God's word according to what God intended. And the word of God says, don't worship me and do things to me that the heathens do to their God with their blood sacrificing, with their pagan demonic worship, with their celebrating these pagan demonic holly, Hollywood, holly wand holidays. You see what I mean? God told us specifically how we are to remember and observe him, praise and raise him. So why are some pastors, what's holding you back? I know you read the Bible, you have it in front of you. What's holding you back from saying, look, congregation, God has gave me a revelation unto the revelation. And I, first I need to repent, I'm sorry. For these many years of leading you astray and celebrating these pagan holidays, I've read the word of God and God has spoken to me and we're no longer going to celebrate those pagan holidays in this house. We are going 
to remember, observe, and teach the biblical feasts according to the word of God. What's holding, what's holding them back from doing this? Are they scared that by the thousands that left Jesus, thousands will leave them and they'll be left with only 12? To me, I would consider a good company to be in the company of 12th faithful. You know what I mean? Rather than thousands of wishy-washy, lukewarm, fickle individuals who don't really love the Lord. They just love the idea or the genie in the bottle of the Lord. You see what I mean? If, to me, if pastors, bishops, whoever they are, wherever they are in the body of Christ, if they were more courageous, if they were had more faith, in God and what God could do for an actual house of the Lord instead of a, I don't know what it is, imposter in house of the Lord. Imagine what God could do with somewhere that is truly observing him. Oh, wow. God would do, I know it. I know God would do amazing, wondrous, glorious things there. So why are I pray in Jesus name? I pray. I pray very hard. I pray more churches just stop going with the status quo and start going with God. Amen. Amen in Jesus name. All right. So we went over the three definitions, right? Uh iniquity, sin, and saint saint sanctification and sanctify sanctity all right why is this important well because we need to understand what the definitions are so we can have oh here are the close-ups i knew i did the close-ups more better more better oh my gosh i'm so grammarly correct um grammatically you know what i mean anyways here are the those little photos a little closer up and these are from my um bible encyclopedia and they were said to be really beautiful uh, temples. The one on the lower left is a sanctuary of the uh, in near Athens for the, what is that, Eleusians? I don't know what those mysteries. And then the one on the upper right is a sanctuary for the cult of the empire worshipped at Ostasia in Italy. Oh, no thank you. <laughs> No, thank you. Ooh, and the bottom one, this is important because we're going to talk about the Canaanite um, later. The bottom one right here, this was a sanctuary for the Canaanites. And we all know they were just found demonic in Jesus' name, right? Worshipping Baal, doing child sacrifice, doing all these orgies and perverse stuff up in the temple. Oh, yes. But it looks pretty. Oh, yes. It looks like it would have been a house of the true and only living God. But looks don't matter. It matters what's going on inside, right? All right, so let's go, wow, uh, to Numbers chapter 18, verse 3. And they shall keep thy charge, even the charge of all the tabernacle, but they shall not come near the instruments of the sanctuary, nor to the altar, lest they die, both they and you. So why would the Kohanim be charged 